bid bid everyone a good evening tonight as I come before you and thankful for the invite from the eldership. Thankful for them allowing me to be here. And certainly it's a blessing to be back to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And thankful for our young men and leading our worship service unto God. And of course, I just want to give a little th- uh, give a little update on what we're going to be doing is that we're going to be traveling to Korea in which we will go at February 23rd and we'll be going till the end of December and we'll be back and then we'll do it all over again. We'll be going to a uh, university where we'll be teaching English and while we're, of course, being tent makers there, we will be spreading the gospel of Christ. So I just ask you to keep on praying for us and thankful for the financial support that you have given us these past few years. question tonight that we want to answer is what do you resemble? When I think about what idolatry is in the Bible, idolatry is one of those main themes that you see across the history of the Scriptures. And it's, of course, when we think about idolatry, we usually think about maybe uh, some of us who have gone over to India and seen all these idols and molded images that people worship today. But we see that it is the case that idolatry is running rampant even Western society, even right now in our own society. And it, it's something that we must recognize in our daily, that, we, that can occur in our daily lives. And if I were to try to summarize what idolatry really is, it's something that you are clinging to, something that you hold allegiance to, something that you put your ultimate significance and meaning into. And are we doing that? Or do we hold to the true and living God who truly is our ultimate security and who truly is the true meaning of life? So in, in, in our introduction tonight, I hope that as you can see, we're going to look at three questions in regards to this text. We're going to be looking at, first of all, what happens to a person? What happens when you start clinging to idolatry? What happens to you? Secondly, I want us to look at what are some examples found in the scriptures of people who did give themselves to idolatry and what what happened to them? And then thirdly, let's ask ourselves, let's make an application for us. What uh, What do we resemble? So Psalm 115, verses 1 through 9, which was read for us, says again, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. Because of your mercy, because of your truth, why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. And this is where we need to really look at. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. I want us to look carefully tonight at what happens to a person when you cling to idolatry. First of all, what happens is you become lifeless. You become spiritually dead. You become separated from God. God has a law that we're all to follow. And when we break that law, we sin. First John 3 verse 4 points that out to us that sin is a transgression of the law. And so therefore is a case that when we sin, we sadly are separated in relationship to God. And that's why Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 talk about the context in which there were Christians who have obeyed the gospel. It says, you he made alive 
who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And so if I could give you uh, what happens to a person who clings to idolatry is, is this, is that when the, you start trusting in whatever idol you have put forth in your life, which this idol is empty, which is, of course, lifeless, then that's a reflection back upon ourselves, you see. And that's what happens to us. And so we sadly what occurs is we refuse to hear the truth. We become just like the idols who have ears, but they do not hear. And sadly is the case, we don't want to hear the truth. And that is the case that we see today in our world. Nobody wants to recognize that there is a concept known as absolute truth. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12, talks about those who sadly deceive themselves because why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. Then that the case that today people will refuse to obey the truth because they just don't like it. They rather have, live in error and make that, let that be their idol. Sadly, what also happens to us is we refuse to speak the truth. You know, the Bible teaches us, let every one of you speak truth to his neighbor. God is a God of truth. He is wanting his creation to speak the truth as well. But sadly, what can happen to us is we become like Satan, who is the father of all liars. We sadly would rather speak a lie than tell the truth. And so that's what can happen to us. Another thing that can happen to us is that we refuse to smell the fragrance of truth. We refuse to know that that it is a case that this the truth is what's best for me because it's what sets me free from sin. And 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 and 15 talks about that there is those who will sadly refuse to re- listen to the truth and they rather le- le- actually disobey the gospel, which leads to death. And so are you that tonight? Are you a person who's refusing to smell the fragrance of truth, knowing what is best for your soul? knowing that you need to be saved from your sins, but you refuse to obey it. Fourth, what happens is that we refuse to handle the truth rightly. The Bible talks about that we're in 2 Timothy 2.15 to be diligent to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And yet today, so many people misinterpret the scriptures because they do not want to correctly interpret them because they will see that in their lives, they need to make a change. And certainly it's the case that that is right for us when we know the truth, that we will obey the truth. Fifthly, we see that there are those who refuse to walk in the truth. They walk away from the Lord. They walk away from the church that he built. We see as a case that we are to be a people, as John talks about, that I have found no greater joy than for my children to walk in truth. We need to be walking in the truth. But there are those who sadly would rather give themselves to idolatry and live a lie. And so I hope we can see that's what happens to a person who, refu- who sadly clings to idolatry, who has allegiance to idolatry. Secondly, let's look at some examples in the Bible. We're going to look at three examples, beginning with Adam and Eve, and then we'll look at Israel in the Old Testament and then the nation of Israel in the New Testament. When you think about, of course, Adam and Eve, we think about Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where God said, let us make man in our own image. And we see that it is the case that Adam and Eve were to be the caretakers of the Garden of Eden. And they were to give glory to God. They were to be a reflection 
of the image of God. And so it is the case that we are to reflect His character, reflect His glory, just as Adam and Eve were, were supposed to do. But unfortunately, we see as a case what happened. Well, there's a serpent that comes and enters into the Garden of Eden. He infiltrates it, and he gets Eve. And, of course, this is what happens in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the servant, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. What you see occur there is a process of idolatry. We see as a case that when they should have been reflecting the glory of God in their lives by obeying his commands, Sadly, they begin to reflect the image of the serpent. They, ser- they turn themselves over to following Satan, which we know to be the serpent from Revelation chapter 12. Let me show you what happens to Adam and Eve. We know that the devil is deceptive. He's a liar. He's one that tries to deceive us. He is the great deceiver. And you notice that he says, Has God indeed said? And so we see as a case that what happens is that Adam, he when he's questioned by God, Oh, uh, that woman that you gave me, she, she's the one that gave me the fruit. So he was trying to take the blame off himself. And so we see as a case that he deceptively, deceptively blames his wife. We see also as a case that we know that uh, Satan said, Has God said? And of course we see as a case that Satan, he doesn't want to obey the truth. He doesn't want to serve God. And so he doesn't want us to serve God. And so, sadly, what happens? Well, sadly, Adam and Eve did not trust the Word of God. Otherwise, they would have obeyed it. And so, I ask ourselves this. Am I following the image of God? Or am I following the image of the serpent? Am I being deceptive? Am I allowing myself to be self-deceived? The Bible tells us that, my beloved brethren, do not be deceived. Over and over again in the New Testament, it teaches us, don't be deceived. And then, of course, another application is, do I trust what God has said? The Word of God is indeed the truth, friends. It's the truth on creation and on everything else. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I going to go out to the world and learn the world's philosophies, or am I going to actually learn what the truth states, and that is the Word of God? You know, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, do we believe that those are the works of the flesh, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, evil desire. Are those things really wrong? Yes, they indeed are, and we need to beware of them. Well, let's look at the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. You remember there's a case that God called Israel to be a light to the Gentile nations. So in Psalm 9, 6, 7, and 8, here they are to reflect God's glory and character. Give to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Give to the Lord glory and strength. Give to the Lord the glory due His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Now, when we go to Exodus chapter 32, you'll remember the case that God had brought the nation of Israel out of, the Red, out of Egyptian bondage. They had brought, he had brought them through the Red Sea. And, of course, here they are. And what happens? Well, of course, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. And what do the people do? 
Well, let's find out. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together to Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And Aaron said to them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people broke off the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool and made a molded calf. Then they said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Now I want you to see, when they start worshiping this golden calf, what are they described as? What do they act like? Well, we see they act like the image that they served. You resemble the idol that you serve. And so we see that they're called stiff-necked. Notice with me Exodus 32, verse 9. The Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people. Indeed, it is a stiff-necked people. You ever seen a cow that's stubborn? Certainly all of us have seen cows that are stubborn. Look at Exodus 32, 25, where where the nation was let loose. just like cows are let loose. Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. Look at with me that they quickly turned aside from the way. Have you ever seen cows do that? Certainly. Exodus 32, verse 8, They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I had commanded them. They have made themselves a molded calf and worshiped and sacrificed them and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And sadly it was the case that they gathered together again in the gate. Just as we see cows are gathered together. In verse 26, Then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. And then, of course, we see that Moses had to go and he had to lead the people. And that's what we see today. We see that there are rebellious cows that need to be regathered. Well, I, I think we need to think is the case here as we see that Psalm 81 comes into play. We see it's the case that we see the result of what happens to Israel when they give themselves over to idolatry. It says, Hear, O my people, and I will admonish you. O Israel, if you will listen to me, there shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will feel it, but my people would not heed my voice. Israel would have none of me. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. That serves as an application for us because Galatians 6.16 says that the Lord's church is the new Israel. And we see there's an application for us to not engage in idolatry. That we're not to behave like the world and yet we can sadly be like Israel was with the golden calf. We can sadly be molded by the image of the world. And so I ask ourselves, am I stubborn and rebellious? Do I refuse to obey the will of God? Do I exhibit self-control? You see, sadly what happened to Israel is they became unrestrained. But I'm to produce the fruit of the Spirit in my life. I'm to develop self-control. Do I quickly turn aside from the right path? You know, Luke 15, 1-7, Jesus was talking about the parable of the, of the sheep that got lost. Are we like that sheep? Do we sadly wander off from the truth and continue on that path, on that wrong path? Do I need to get back on the right path? Do I need to be regathered and be led? As Psalm 23 talks about, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me. He's the one that guides me in the right path. But am I going to be led? Or am I going to still remain stubborn? That's the question we need to ask ourselves. But let's look at the nation of Israel in the New Testament. You think it is the case that, you know, over and over again throughout First and Second Kings, and on and on throughout the Old Testament history, we find Israel, they engage in idolatry, and what happens? 
we see that they get themselves into deep trouble. Well, finally, they purge themselves from molded images. In the New Testament, you don't find them serving Baal or Ashtoreth, but believe me, they still are serving idols. And we can have the same uh, deception as well, that we have idols in our lives. So even though Israel, the New Testament, does not have idols, what, are they, what idols are they serving? Well, we find, I just want to mention two of them. We see in Matthew 13, verse 10, the Bible begins this way. And the disciples came and said to Jesus, Why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has to him, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whosoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Does that sound familiar? Well, let's read on. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of the people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For surely I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Does it sound like we read in our text for today, Psalm 115, that those who serve idols become like them? Because a molded image, it doesn't see, it doesn't hear. And sadly, that's what the way our hearts and our minds and our eyes can begin to feel like is that they do not see, they do not hear. And so in Isaiah 6, where our Lord gets this text, he says that this prophesied of, what, of the Israel in his time, in which we saw, of course, in Isaiah's time when he spoke the word of God to the people, that you could have two responses. You could have the response of a good and honest heart and obey God's will and, and have an open eyes and open ears and turn away from idolatry and be restored in a relationship with God. Or they sadly went down the other path where they closed their eyes and closed their ears and sadly they allowed themselves to give, be given to idolatry and that ruined them. And so I ask ourselves, which one is us? Do we have a hardened heart or do we have an open and honest heart? Are we willing to see the truth and obey the truth? So we see that the two idols in, Israel's, in Israel in the New Testament is not just molded, not molded images, but covetousness and also man-made traditions. In Luke 16, 13, and 14, we find that Jesus said, No servant can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now the Pharisees who were lovers of money also heard all these things, and they derided him. Colossians 3, verse 5, teaches us that covetousness is idolatry. And that's exactly what the Pharisees were guilty of, and that we can also be guilty of. In Matthew 15, 7 through 9, talking about man-made traditions, Jesus said, Hypocrites, what did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain they worship me, teaching as the doctrines the commandments of men. In Isaiah chapter 46, we find a case that there is a, uh, basically what's going on is a court case. And God is basically saying, Israel, am I the true and living God? And let me produce evidence to you that I am the true and living God. And basically what he says is, he says, look at those idols that you're making. They don't do anything. 
And then God talks about how He is the one who made the, He is the one who can foresee the future. He can foresee the things that are going to happen. And He tells His prophets what occurred. And of course, God is right in showing that He is the true and living God. Let me just uh, go down to, to this one part at the end in verse 12 where He says, Listen to me, you stubborn hearted who are far from righteousness. Why? Because they allow themselves to be given to idolatry. So I ask ourselves, do I love money? Do I allow myself to give myself more, uh, that I want money more than I love God? Ask ourselves that. Or do I revere man-made traditions? Sadly, this is what denominations do, friends. We see as a case, for example, that Romans 6, 3 and 4, Colossians 2, 11, 12 teaches us that immersion in water is a burial not sprinkling and not pouring. And those who subscribe to sprinkling and pouring, they're allowing that to be a man-made tradition. They're allowing that to be an idol that cuts in the way of the truth. We need to recognize the truth is that we are to be immersed in water. That's what we need to recognize. But let us go ask ourselves the main question for tonight, and that is, what do I resemble? What do you resemble? Am I resembling... God in my life am I resembling idols? In Romans chapter 1, verse 20 through 27, the Bible says this, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood that the things that are, that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burning their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. Now, I want you to notice with me the exchange that is happening here. There are three things that Paul says that is happening. And it's like when we go to, you know, if you're going to a stock exchange, you buy and sell stocks. Well, we see that the people here, they're buying and they're selling something. And sadly, what they're getting is not profitable. And as it says, they exchange the glory of God for some inglorious, inglorious images, idols that they have made. They sadly exchange the truth because God is the creator. He's the one that made everything. But they exchange it for these idols and think that the idols made everything. They actually sadly are worship, they were worshiping and serving the Creator, but sadly, what did they do? They exchange it for worshiping and serving the creation. And so in Romans 1, 24 through 27, we find as the case, what happens to a person who gives themselves idolatry? Well, I, we see here that instead of reflecting God, who is righteous, wise, truthful, good, loving, and merciful, what happens to a person? Who does this? They become unrighteous. They become a fool. They become deceitful, inventors of evil things, unloving, unmerciful. That's just some of the things we could list from this list. And so we see as a case, what am I reflecting? Am I reflecting idols or am I reflecting God in my life? 
You see, we need to reflect God. We need to reflect a God who's righteous because we're to produce righteousness in our lives. We're to produce, we're to be wise. We're to understand what the will of the Lord is. Be not wise, be be not unwise, but wise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. We're to be truthful. Let every man speak truth to his neighbor. We're to be good and good neighbors and love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to be loving and fulfill the second greatest command. We're to be merciful. Blessed are the merciful for they shall attain mercy. And so you might be asking yourself, I am a person who's given myself to idolatry. How do I start reflecting God in my life again? How do I make Him king of my life? Well, the Bible teaches us that we're to believe on Christ as the Son of God, repent of our sins, confess our faith in Him, and be immersed. For as me have... Uh, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's how I reflect God again in my life. Romans 8.29 says, For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the, to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We're to conform to the image of Christ in our lives. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is a really interesting text because what Paul is doing is he's actually drawing us back to Romans chapter 1. There's actually some correlations between these two texts, and I want us to see those. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what that is good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. And so when I think about Romans 1, 18 through 28, notice, for the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness. But we see as a case that God does indeed show mercy and grace to those who obey the gospel. So I beseech you, therefore, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Sadly, there were those who were refusing to give or glorify and thank God for what He has done. And sadly... We can start doing the reverse. We can start sacrificing to God, giving Him our all, surrendering all to Him. Sadly, there are those in Romans 1 who are dishonoring the body, sadly committing homosexuality even. But we're into Romans 12. It teaches us to offer the body, offer it as a living sacrifice because we're to give our bodies unto the Lord, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Sadly, there are those who have a misunderstood idolatrous service thinking that it's the one that's good, it's the thing that gives them satisfaction and true meaning. But in fact, it's giving service to God, rendering service to Him that gives us true meaning and significance. And that is the logical thing to do. Sadly, there are those who have a reprobate, reprobate mind, a wicked mind. But we can turn in repentance and change that mind to have a, re, a renewed mind. A renewed mind that searches and does what God's will says. And it sadly is the case that those in Romans 1 rejecting the righteousness of God. But we can see that we can do that which is the perfect, acceptable will of God. So which category are we in? Are we, the, are we fit with those in Romans chapter 1? Or do we fit with those in Romans chapter 12? We could go through this text, but I think you can get the idea of the opposites. Let me just go through a few. We either are showing righteousness or unrighteousness. We're either showing sexual purity in our lives or we're sadly committing fornication. We're, we're sadly either doing goodness or wickedness. And we could go on. You know what these opposites are. And we need to ask ourselves, do I show these characteristics in my life? Am I bearing the image of the Creator in my life? Or am I sadly giving myself over to idolatry, which is destroying my life? That's what we need to ask ourselves. And so when I think about in conclusion to our lesson tonight, 
Ask yourself this. Where are you clinging to for ultimate meaning and significance? What are you turning to? Are you allowing yourself to be given to idolatry? Are you allowing yourself to be swayed by the wicked one and sadly are loving this world? But we know that the Bible says that the world and the lust thereof, it's going to pass away, but he that doeth the will of God abides forever. What are you resembling? Are you resembling the idols? Are you resembling Jesus Christ? I ask us tonight to look at our lives, and if it be the case that you're not a child of God, you are in idolatry. And I plead with you to obey the gospel of Christ, to escape idolatry, which is ruining your life, and to turn away from idolatry and turn and serve the true and living God. Or maybe it's a case that you are a Christian and you're not living faithfully. I would ask you to ask yourself, am I living in ruin or am I in need of restoration? Do I need to be restored back to God? Will you come while the gate we stand and sing the invitation song?